Money is a tricky thing. By itself, it can bring some happiness and blessing, but often money, or the lack of, can become a burden that we all deal with. I'm Joseph Williams, an intern here at West Valley Christian Church, where we exist to love God and love people. We're in a series inspired by the book, The ABCs of Financial Freedom by Barry Cameron. Let's listen and discover the principles of building the foundation for financial freedom in our lives. Welcome, everybody. Uh, We are in the middle of a series called the ABCs of Financial Freedom, and we're really just been taking a look at what really is God's to begin with and what we could do with it, right? And what we're supposed to do with it. And as I have shared before, I want to share it again. This this series uh, hits us in the heart. It hits us in the pocketbook. It hits us in the head. And uh, as Pastor Josh said, you know, some of us are, are doing well with this and some of us aren't. And uh, our goal is that we would just grow in this as, as, as Christ followers. And if you're not a Christ follower, uh, we are so glad that you are here. And I know that uh, you too struggle with finances. Amen? So we're just been, we've been taking a look at this series and how can we best do with what God has given us. Uh, I want you to open up your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 17. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. And I know a lot of you are using your Bible apps, and so that's great. We're going to go to James, and we're going to go to chapter 1, verse 17. Actually, let's start in verse 16. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. James 1:17 says, every good and perfect gift is from where? Every good, every good and perfect gift is from where? Above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting winds. And I think this is the foundation of everything that we've been learning over uh, the last three weeks, is that everything that we have is really his. Everything that you and I have and we've been blessed with comes from God Almighty. I, uh, I heard of a story that a man went to the doctor and he was filled with all sorts of pain. As a matter of fact, he says, doctor, I got pain all over my body. And the doctor says, well, point to the areas where you have this pain. And he, he pointed to his neck and then he pointed to his elbow and then he pointed to his back and then he pointed to his rib. And the doctor said, hold it right there. I, I think I know what the problem is. And the man's like, oh my gosh, yes, what is it, doctor? Doctor takes his glasses off and sets them on the counter. And he says, you, my friend, have a broken finger. <laughs> Some of you are going to get this at lunch. <laughs> you see, the truth is, we want to blame our pain on everyone and everything else but ourselves. But really, you know where the problem lies? In our own hand. And it's true with finances. It is so easy for me to go, well, you know, I just wasn't modeled finances correctly in my home. Or man, I married into a person that doesn't understand finances and she just swipes that card left and right. Actually, that's what my wife would say about me. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? We, we, we could point the finger on every, oh, it, it's so expensive to live in the San Fernando Valley, which is true, Amen. Okay, so, so those are all the things, but what we're gonna learn here today, are you ready? Are you excited to hear the word? It's choice, choice. The first week we talked about 
attitude. And last week we talked about bondage. And this week, the, the, the key word is choice. You and I have choices. And those choices impact areas like our finances. Let's bow our heads and, and pray before we continue. God, you're good. And I want to personally say thank you. I want to thank you for just your grace and your love by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to die for us. And God, if I don't understand that, I won't ever understand anything else. So thank you. And in light of this topic of finances, God, I... I've said it every week, and you know this, Lord, that there are people sitting here from A to Z and where they're at with this. God, we don't want the devil in any way to put guilt and shame in people's hearts and minds. But we pray that you would give hope and light and courage in people's minds when it comes to this. God, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit to continue to fill this place. Do your thing. This is our prayer in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. So I don't know what you've experienced in life because you know, of course we're gonna talk about everybody else, not ourselves when it comes to this area of finances and people's choices. But I mean, we could say it with a little tongue in cheek, a smile on our face, and we could sit there and go, man, I have watched some people do some really dumb things with finances, right? Amen? Again, none of us in this room, all the people in second service and third service, but not us, but our family members that we're gonna see here soon at Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that good stuff. But the truth is, we see a lot of mistakes when it comes to finances. And the truth is, if we look in the mirror, we've made those mistakes. And it's really easy to harp on the negative choices, but I wanna start off this morning with something that I find really, really encouraging. Um, you may or may not know that uh, I got a little hobby of sports memorabilia. Um, started when I got my first autograph from Steve Garvey, you know, first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, and I just always kind of drawn to that. And then it, it just got bigger and bigger. And, and there was a deal I made with my wife early on because I could not afford baseball cards anymore and I'm married and have to be responsible and I couldn't do autographs and all that. But I, I said, I'm gonna sell this one thing and then I will never touch our finances ever. Just let me have this one thing and, uh, and then I'll buy, trade and sell with this. And here I am, you know, 30 years later, still like a, a little kid with this. And um, so anyways, uh, when people come along in my pathway that are kind of fascinated with this, it's fun. You know, just like with your hobby, there's not a lot of people that enjoy my hobby, okay? So when you find them. So there's a young man at our church that, that, that has gotten into this and, and he's kind of making a little bit of a business out of it. And it's fun. And I've been able to encourage him and watch him do his thing. But this week, you fast forward maybe two years of him doing this. This week, he invited me over to his house. He's probably 15, 16 years old. He goes, uh, Pastor Rob, and he brings out these four beautiful items. And he goes, Pastor Rob, I want to donate these to this year's Harvest Festival. And 
And uh, in, in talking with him and later talking with his dad, this is something that he's been working at for, I don't know, months, kind of getting these pieces together and the autographs and getting them framed and all that. I'm going to tell you that the, the items that he gave are probably three to four hundred dollars worth of, of, of stuff that he donated for this year's Harvest Festival. Church, what's that do for your heart? Is that awesome? I, I remember uh, a, a few years uh, back, uh, actually, it's not quite two years, but I stood here and we talked about building out the upstairs. And, and I remember one of our six-year-olds said, I want to participate in this. I want to I wanna help. And he went home to his mom and his dad and says, how can I do this? And, and I don't know if you remember little Riley, but he started crushing cans and he started collecting cans here at the school and he started collecting cans in his neighborhood. And uh, little Riley gave hundreds of dollars towards the upstairs. I mean, there's story after story after story. I remember one of our older members, she's 90 plus, and that night that we took up this special offering for the upstairs, she came and she goes, I have to tell you something. And she, she pulled me aside in her weakened voice. She told me, I've wanted to do something for Treasures of Treasures, but I just didn't have the ability. And then she talked about going upstairs into the attic to kind of clean some things and go through, through some things that uh, were from her husband that had passed many, many years ago. And she'd done that before, but she was going through the stuff and found a, a jacket. And within that jacket, jacket, if I remember correctly, was $200. She goes, you know where that $200 is? It's in this envelope that I give today. You see, church, we all have choices to do with what God has given us. And and it's really easy for me to go, oh my gosh, can you see society? And they're racking up the bills and the credit cards and they're making uh, bad decisions and they're spending more money than they're bringing in. And I kind of gave you some of those stats last week. But church, there is another side to that coin, amen? And can I just tell you, as one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church, that I get to stand on the shoulders of a a, a great lead pastor and, and, and Pastor Kirby, who led this church for over 40 years. We may not be the biggest church in the San Fernando Valley, but I'll tell you, you are the most generous church in the San Fernando Valley. And it is an incredible honor to serve a church that makes good choices, that realizes that what we have is God's. But with that said, there's still some of us that are new to this journey and we need to learn about this. And then there's some of us that that need to be challenged to even be more generous, amen? So that's where where my heart is with this word choice is we all get to make choices with what God has given us. The talents that he has given us, we make choices. What we're gonna do, are we gonna use that for his glory or for our glory? We have that with, with our homes. Are we gonna use that for our glory or for his glory? And finances is no different. The gifts that God has given us, am I gonna choose to use this for his glory or mine? I don't know about you, but sometimes it never seems like there's enough there. <laughs> my heart and my desires don't always match my pocketbook. <laughs> and sometimes that's even for godly things. But the choice is still there with finances. So I've shared some positives, but um, let me share something that maybe you heard when this happened uh, many years ago. Uh, James Peterson and Peter King published the results of a national survey called The Day America Told the Truth. Do you know where I'm going with this? 
the day America told the truth, they discovered what people would do for money. Here are some of the things people said they would be willing to do for $10 million. Check this out. See where you would find yourself on the list or if you would. Number one, for $10 million, people would abandon their family. 25% said yes. Now, some of you would abandon your family for 50 cents. <laughs> That's a whole nother servant. But think that through. 25%, one of every four people would abandon their family for, 20, uh, for, for $10 million. All right. Um, become a prostitute for a week. How many percent do you think that is? 23% of the people surveyed said they would become a prostitute for a week for $10 million. Give up your American citizenship. 16% of Americans said that they would give up their citizenship for $10 million. Leave their spouse. Again, no hands raised. 16% Sixteen out of every hundred people would leave their spouse for ten million dollars. How about this? Um, withhold, withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free. Ten percent would do that. Kill a stranger. Seven percent. <laughs> If there's 200 of us in here today, 14 of you would kill a stranger. I just all, I want to let you all know my name is Rob Denton, okay? That way I'm not a stranger. This is, this, this, they all break my heart, but check this one out. 3% of the people said yes to putting up their children for adoption for $10 million. what would you be willing to do for $10 million? You see, every choice carries a corresponding consequence. Especially those choices that don't allow us to honor God. I was thinking through this today or, or this week as I was talking to somebody. I remember the days where on a Saturday morning, it was part of our routine that we'd get in the minivan and dad would drive us and we'd go to the bank and he would go to the ATM and he would withdraw money. Do you remember those days? <laughs> and because uh, there, was, there was no, you know, it was no ATM cards and everything was cash. And uh, Dave Ramsey says this in Financial Peace. He goes, man, if we would all just spend cash, we wouldn't spend as much. If you actually had to pull that 20 out and that $100 out, you wouldn't let go of it as fast as it is to just swipe that card. And I think part of it, I'm not against technology, but think about it. Isn't it easy just to keep swiping that card until the bill comes? Because you're not letting go of anything. There's no context you're not seeing what, what, what's letting go. We don't understand the consequences, the immediate consequences. When you're letting that $100 bill or that $20 bill or that $5 bill leave your hand, you see it, you feel it. But we could just swipe, 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 swipe all day long 
and the consequences don't come till later and the bill shows up and you go, oh, crud. I really couldn't afford that shirt and that pair of socks. You see, when we talk about decision with finances, I just want to remind you of something my dad taught me, a life lesson. No decision is a decision. So if we sit here and choose not to make a decision about finances, we're making a decision to choose to not make a decision about finances. Do you see what I'm saying? If we just just let it, you know, out of sight, out of mind, then it will take care of itself and it's not gonna take care of itself in a healthy way. This is why I love that we're doing this. It's not comfortable. It's not natural for me to even be doing this, but I'm telling you, it's right. And the stories that we are hearing as a staff and the stories that are being shared in Life Group is showing us that God is doing something amazing right here on this campus with finances. What choices are you making? Proverbs chapter three, if you'll turn there with me. Proverbs chapter three. It's key verse for today. Proverbs chapter three, and we're, gonna, we're just gonna pick this thing apart here. Proverbs chapter three, uh, verse one. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart for they will prolong your life with many years and bring peace and prosperity. My question is this, before I go any further, how many of you want peace in your life? Can I get an amen if you want peace? I know I want peace, man. That's one of the greatest things that this guy wants. I want peace and I want hope and I want purpose in my life. And the the author says, if you want peace, and then it says, and prosperity. It says, you, you gotta keep, the Lord's commands in your heart. Again, like I've said throughout this series, if you want to choose to look at your finances your way and that everything you have is yours, that you have that choice, good luck. That's all I can say is good luck. But if you want to do it God's way, God says, I'll tell you, you you keep my commands in your heart, you do your finances my way, and you will have peace and prosperity. Verse three, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Do you want to have good favor in the sight of God? Do you want to have good favor in the sight of man? This is an incredible proverb. Incredible wisdom from Solomon where he helps us to see some choices that we can make in our life. You could sum up these 10 verses with these three statements. Remember what God says, verses one through four. Trust what God does, verses five through eight. And honor who God is, verses nine through 10. You look at you look at chapter um, verse chapter three verse five. It's exactly what what many of you have heard me share. Uh, is many of you've got this passage memorized. It's in your heart already. It, it's very famous, but it, it's it, it's 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 foundational. He says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil." This is why trust what God does is so important. And then the verse goes on. 
verse 9 and 10, it says, honor the Lord with your what? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Church, again, this is God's plan. I wish I would have heard it many, 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 many years ago, but I'm glad I did hear it when I did, and it's not too late, and it's not too late for any of us. Again, the Looney Tunes theology of Daffy Duck that says, mine, 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 all mine is baloney. It's his, his, his. What an incredible passage for us today, isn't it? that we could stamp this on our heart, that we could, we could have peace and prosperity, not outside of God, but right there with him. Where you think I can't do this, I, I'm, too, I'm too over my head, I wanna tell you, you're right, you can't, but you and God can. I wanna focus on the last two verses of this section of scripture that we just read. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. The choice here is pretty clear. Honor the Lord with your what, church? Honor the Lord with your wealth. It's even more specific than that. It says with your what? with your first fruits of all your produce. I understand talking like this in 2018 to a bunch of people that live in the city, the context <laughs> doesn't seem to match, does it? And I joked uh, a few weeks ago that those of you who were born in the Midwest and you understand farming, you get this. Uh, those of you that li lived back in the Old Testament days, you get this. This, this isn't what we do and this isn't how we act here today with first fruits. We would grow a crop and crops are so essential. I know a little bit of it because my wife's family's from Missouri and, and one of our uncles is still a farmer and my goodness, my goodness, the stress that we don't realize those farmers go through. I mean, everything that they work for is contingent on weather that's not in their control. And then, and then when you do everything right, you, 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 do the, you prepare the field right and, and you water correctly, you're still relying on the harvest. And you don't know exactly what those, those plants are, are going to produce. But back in the day, your, your, your responsibility was to give of the what? The first fruits. Those aren't yours the outside for the poor and, and we could go into a whole message on that. But you gave, you gave the first fruits. You gave the best. You didn't give the leftovers. You didn't give the grapes that had withered away and the oranges that shrunk and dehydrated of all their nutrients and juice. You gave your best at first. And this is what God is saying. We are to give our best. And when we give our best, we are honoring God. 
Dave Ramsey, uh, you heard me refer to him many, many times. Christian man uh, is a financial guru. He's even uh, on Fox, I believe, as, as uh, he's, just, he's, he's just got incredible wisdom. And, and we, we do his series here. We offer it a, a few times a year called Financial Peace. And when that comes around again, and you wanna really work through some stuff, sign up for financial peace. It, it changed our family's life. But Dave Ramsey says this, if you are not tithing, giving God the first 10% of your income, start today. Make your giving the first check you write at the top of your budget. Have you ever considered that perhaps your failure to honor God off the top of your income is one of the reasons you have been struggling financially? You may be thinking, tithe? How am I supposed to give away 10% of my income? I could barely pay my phone bill. And his response is, then get rid of your phone. But don't rob God. Sobering, humbling thought. Sometimes people will say, but New, New Testament Christians, New Testament Christians are not under Old Testament expectations. And I've had that many times on many topics uh, shared with me over the years. And you know what I say? You're right. <laughs> and those people that want to make that argument are like, good. No, you're right. Because in the Old Testament, in, in, in reference to what we're talking about here, God asked for animals for sacrifice. The New Testament, read Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The New Covenant. You are now that living sacrifice. <laughs> Some of us want to go back to the Old Testament. It's a little bit easier just to hand off your best sheep than your toe to the top of your head life. You see, Jesus didn't take things down. He stepped them up from the Old Testament to the New Testament. As a matter of fact, if you look at Matthew, Matthew chapter five, verse 17, Jesus says this, I did, not, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. I didn't say I'm getting rid of it. I'm fulfilling the old law and the old covenant and all the old things that you were supposed to do. And now, and now the expectation is not lower, but I raise the expectation. And you read uh, Matthew 5, 19. There, for whoever relaxes uh, one of these, least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to give examples. If you look at Matthew chapter five and you're a little bit confused here, again, we're saying there is a big difference between the Old Testament and what God has as a standard and the New Testament. And in the context of honoring God with our wealth, with tithing, a lot of people will say, no, we're not supposed to do that because that's a new Old Testament commandment. And again, what we're saying is we agree with that. That is an, an Old Testament standard. So that's 10%. So if Jesus took everything and bumped it up, then 10% is where you start. And again, do you want to you tithe to God or do you want to tip God? Because tipping is 15 to 20%, and now they let me know at the end of the receipt what all that looks like. We don't do that. And again, I, it's crazy that I would give more to a waiter and waitress, which we ought to be. Don't be cheap with that. Side note. But boy, we should not be cheap with God. 
And I say that with love and compassion. If you're struggling in this area, do not be filled with guilt and shame. Just draw courage from this and say, okay, maybe, maybe this is what's been missing in my life. This is the, the, the time where I need to look myself in the mirror or me and, and my wife need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? We got to get this right. We got to put what, at, at top what needs to be at top because this is a lordship issue. I've, every time I've ever preached on finances before this series, it always starts with Luke 9, 23, when Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and then come follow me. Because this, this stewardship, this managing of God's resources, it, it does not make sense if Jesus is not Lord of your life. I get it. If Jesus isn't Lord of my life, don't tell me what to do with my money because it's mine. But if Jesus is Lord of my life and I understand that I was a sinner, I was lost, I'd make mistakes, I'd fallen short, but God loved me so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for me. And I've said yes to Jesus. I've said yes to forgiveness. I've said yes to a new life. I've said yes to the forgiveness of the debt of sin that I've racked up. Then I get the gift of the Holy Spirit. When I've said yes to that, then to give 10% back to God is a deal of the century. And it's not just the 10% back to God. I still have to honor him with the other 90% that I'm keeping. I think that's even harder. Because when you're giving to God the 10%, and at least at this church, you're saying 10% and I'm going to trust the leadership here. I've got to be responsible as your lead pastor for that 10% that is, sp that is spent wisely. Back to Matthew. Matthew chapter five, verse 21. Jesus says, man, I've stepped it up. Matthew chapter five, verse 21 says, you have heard that it, is, it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. The Old Testament was don't kill them. New Testament is don't get angry. Again, you may be convinced that you want to go live back in the Old Testament after today's message. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery within her heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard it said, Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn your other cheek also. Do I have to keep reading? Do you see? Jesus did. He says, and yet, yet you're right, you're right. We're not about Old Testament. We're about, that's the starting place. And I, I like saying it this way. I don't like it, but it's the truth. What, 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 what has happened from the Old, Old Testament was all about the mind. They do this, don't do that. Jesus came and it was all about the heart. Right? Look at all these things. Mind, don't do this, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't murder. Mind, okay, I can or can't do that. Now he goes, no, don't be angry, don't lust, don't, right? Now it's a heart issue. So everything we're talking about even here today is a choice. And what we're talking about today is a heart issue.
he would go on in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, and he made some key points about money and giving. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but lay them up in heaven. Billy Sunday, an old famous revival preacher in the 1800s said this, if we could take it with us, it would melt where some of us are going. Frank Damasio said this, the only way to get our treasures into heaven is to put them into something that is going to heaven. That's why this church exists, to help people love God and love others. People is what matters. That's what Jesus said in Luke 16, 9. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. You ever thought about the resources that you have are there for you to help reach others for Christ? Side note, that's why I don't think having a boat is a sin or having a nice house is a sin or having a baseball bat is a sin. What, pastor, that's kind of, no. If you understand that house and that boat and that baseball bat is his, and you could use that as a tool to bring someone into relationship that brings them into relationship with God, then amen. College group, we used to do all kinds of crazy stuff, and one of the things we did, we always did a, 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 a water ski trip, a, a wakeboarding trip church doesn't have a boat but we have people in our church that have boats and if I went to those people and said hey we're doing this thing with young adults and we're gonna have 40 50 of them would you be willing to bring your boat up to Lake Nasimano or Lake Lopez or Lake Kachuma we'll pay for all your gas we'll pay for all your food would you be able to drive all weekend long and those men and women that would say yes would have the time of their life using what God had given them for his glory to build relationship to draw people to God stuff's not bad as long as we understand whose stuff it is and it brings people in the right relationship with God. Matthew chapter six, verse 27 of 21, where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew chapter six, verse 25 through 32. Don't worry about uh, how you're going to get uh, to your, your needs met. My father will meet them all. Um, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. Matthew chapter 6.33, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these passages. You see, if we want financial freedom, we gotta change our attitude from week one, avoid the bondage of debt from week two, and choose to honor God with our wealth week three. How can we do that? Proverbs chapter three, verse nine and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What does it mean to honor God? The Hebrew word means to weigh down. So when we bring what he's already given us and we bring it back to him, we are weighing our God down with honor. Have you ever thought of that? It's just one way to say, God, you are awesome. 
we declare him as king. So how do we give God the first fruits? I suggest that it's by starting with 10% of whatever God blesses us with each week, month, and year. I've wrestled with what, how much I share or don't share on this, and so just bear with me as I process this. Let me start with the church. What we are preaching right here, I think it has been the heart of the church for its entire existence, but it hasn't always been the practice of the church. Just like you have a heart for honoring God, but when life happens, you kind of adjust our church has had to adjust through some difficult times and difficult seasons. Where I would, as one of the, the staff, I would say maybe our 10% um, that we tithe wasn't always necessarily um, serving others. Uh, sometimes it served ourselves just so we could keep the doors open and the lights on. But we are in a season of our church right now that God has incredibly blessed us. Our lights are on and the doors are open. West Valley, that, that, that was a question six or seven years ago. And our leader at the time, Glenn Kirby, is a bulldog, a pit bull, tenacious, and led us through that difficult time to where we are today. But through that, we looked at church finances and not that we were ever f just being stupid with it, but we needed to reorganize. And about two and a half years ago, three years ago, we reorganized. And I'm telling you, church, God is blessing. And one of the things we said is we wanna make sure the 10%, do you know that we tithe off the tithe? So the church collects an offering every Sunday. And if it's $30,000, a tithe would be what? 3,000. And that automatically goes towards missions. But what we did is um, over the last few years, we've increased that. We are now at 12%. And I'm telling you, I believe God is honoring that. You see, West Valley does not exist so that we could get a bunch of people in purple chairs and that's all. But West Valley exists so that we could help people love God and love others here in the valley, but also in our community, also in our state, also in our country, and also in our world. And church, at our gathering here in a, a month or so, at our Celebrate event, I have so much stuff to tell you that you are a part of that you have no clue you're a part of because of your faithfulness here. What God has been doing in and through you has blessed people across the world. We've purchased, just to give you an example, a baptistry for a, a prison, a local prison. We've helped over a hundred homeless kids that live in the ghettos, the slums of Kenya. Sponsoring kids in the Indian reservations of Arizona. Helping out with homelessness here in our own San Fernando Valley and up in San Francisco areas. The list is this long. 
Why do I share that? Because just as we are saying that you shouldn't exist just for your own finances, for your own glory, the church needs to model that too. And I'm gonna be as bold as to say this, and whatever I say is to him be the glory because it has been growth in my life and in my wife's life and our lives as a couple. But I think it's really important for you to know this because I was consulting with a church and am consulting with a church that the lead pastor does not tithe. And his reason for that is my work for the church is my tithe. And I called, called out the two initials, the one right after A and the one that goes right before T on that because that is baloney. I want to tell you this pastor tithes. And to the best of my knowledge, the pastors all tithe at our church. And I say that not in any boasting, but we're not asking you to do something that we're not doing ourselves. You can't outgive God. You can't. And I think that's also important for you to know because at least the guy that's sitting in the lead seat today, you need to know that I care about every penny that comes in here. And I try and manage that along with some others to the best of my ability to honor God. Peter Marshall was a former chaplain of the U.S. State Senate. And he had a man that came in and they talked about this whole tithing thing and, and, and he says, I'm gonna try it. And so it was hard for him, but he did it. And uh, God began to bless. And please hear me. I'm not saying you give to God and he's gonna just you know, give you that new Mercedes and that new house, all that. He's just gonna, you're just right where you need to be and then he takes care of the rest. But this guy went from making $20,000 to $500,000. His business just took off. And he says to the chaplain, he goes, you know, when I made $20,000, I, I would tithe 2,000. He goes, I make 500,000 now. I can't afford I can't afford to tithe 50,000. He says, will you help me? And the chaplain says, yeah, let, let's pray about it. The chaplain and him bowed their heads and he says, um, dear Lord, this man has a problem and I wanna pray that you will help him. Lord, please reduce his salary back to the place where he could afford to tithe. <laughs> we could play games with the money God gives us but we're never gonna win. Don't forget Proverbs chapter three, verses one through 10. Remember what God says, trust what God does, and honor who God is. It's a choice. I think another important thing for you to know is this. We as the pastors have no clue, no clue who gives what. Some churches they do. We chose not to. For 40 years, that's been our pattern, and it still is. That's between you and the Lord. Father, thank you. I know I still have a lot of work to do in this area of my life. I have not arrived at being an extravagant, crazy giver. But I thank you for where I have arrived, because it's by your grace 
God, whatever has been shared today that's garbage, remove it from our hearts and minds. Whatever is true, I pray that it would, the seeds would be planted, the roots would grow deep, and the lives would be transformed. Thank you, God. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at WVCCH. If you'd like more information about our church or services, please visit our website, WVCCH.org. Thank you for listening. You forget all my rebellions.